All right, if you have your Bibles, would you open up to the book of Mark, chapter 14? The book of Mark. 14th chapter, we're going to read verses 3 to 9. And while he was in Bethany, a guest in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of ointment, perfume of pure nard, very costly and precious. And she broke the jar and poured the perfume over his head. But there were some who were moved with indignation and said to themselves, To what purpose was the ointment perfume thus wasted? For it was possible to have sold this perfume for more than 300 denarii, a laboring man's wage for an entire year, and to have given the money to the poor. And he censured and reproved her. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why are you troubling her? For she has done a good and beautiful thing to me, praiseworthy and noble. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you wish, you can do good to them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She came beforehand to anoint my body for the burial. Surely I tell you, Wherever the good news, the gospel is proclaimed in the entire world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. What an incredible story, an incredible moment in history, an incredible encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, with Jesus Christ. And really this lives not only as a memorial to her, but as an example for each of us. Many of us are familiar with this story, a woman and an alabaster jar. Verse 3 reads, A woman came with an alabaster jar of ointment, perfume of pure nard, very costly and precious, and she broke the jar and poured the perfume over his head. This jar housed very costly and precious perfume. That's what we're told here. This was no small offering. It was no small action. This was no small thing. This response, her coming, took great faith and boldness, faith and boldness that is birthed out of brokenness. Great faith and boldness is birthed out of brokenness. The voice, a woman came into the house carrying an alabaster flask filled with precious, sweet-smelling ointment made from spikenard. She came to Jesus, broke the jar, and gently poured out the perfume onto his head. So here's the story. Jesus is in the house, and he's reclining at the table, and in walks this woman. I don't know if she knocked. I don't know if she requested entrance. Jesus is a guest in the house of Simon, and there are many other guests. They've been invited. They've been welcomed in. Was this woman on the guest list? She may not have been on the guest list, but she was soon the VIP in Jesus' eyes. 
The message reads, Jesus was at Bethany, a guest of Simon the leper. While he was eating dinner, a woman came up carrying a bottle of very expensive perfume. Opening the bottle, she poured it on his head. You would read this story. I mean, this is out of order, right? Who does this? Who walks in, enters in, perhaps uninvited, not on the guest list, brings in this alabaster jar of this costly, costly, precious perfume. Just walks up to the table. Jesus is reclining. He's eating, spending time with the others in the house. And I mean, who does this? Who goes up and breaks this jar and begins to pour it over a person's head? You see, reason didn't stop her. Fear of man didn't stop her. Price was no object. She didn't know what kind of reaction she would get. She simply knew the action she had to take. She didn't know the kind of reaction she would get as she walked in and disrupted things and pulled out this alabaster jar and poured it over Jesus' head. She didn't know the reaction. She simply knew the action she had to take. Number one tonight, will we come? See, it was this woman that was broken. The alabaster jar was simply the evidence, the act, and the proof of her state. There's something going on inside this woman, something that overrides fear, something that overrides common sense, something that overrides doubt, and that is brokenness. See, brokenness deals with fear. Brokenness deals with those things that want to hold us back. We may not know the reaction, but we simply know the action we must take. Did she have to come? No. It was her choice. Nobody forced her. Nobody made her. It's the same with us. We don't have to come. It's our choice. Nobody forces us. Nobody's making us. May feel pressure at times, but it's our choice. The pressure we feel is good pressure. This woman wanted to do something great for Jesus. Is that the condition of our hearts? The conviction of our lives? This woman wanted to do something great for Jesus. She wanted to show him what he meant to her. She wanted to pour out all she had on him, over him, and for him. You see, when we're broken, we do things that seem crazy in the eyes of others when our action is really just reasonable response. 
the crazy things that the broken people do, those that are broken for Jesus, broken over Jesus, broken because of Jesus. Other people look, and that's crazy. What a waste. It's only reasonable. It's reasonable response because of who he is, what he's done, what he's accomplished. Jesus is so worthy. He's so worthy. I mean, this is Jesus we're talking about. Will we come? See, brokenness does deal with fear. It deals with doubt. It overrides what common people call common sense. Brokenness births the most beautiful response to Jesus. It's why some don't come. They aren't broken. You can tell when a person's broken. There is evidence of a person that is broken. It's not just, well, the person has a good heart. You know, deep down inside, they really love them. I mean, they care. They say they care, or they belong to the Christian club. You can tell when a person's broken, truly, really broken. And it's why some don't come. Because brokenness deals with fear, and maybe it's fear. Brokenness deals with pride, doesn't it? Maybe it's pride. Brokenness deals with doubt. Brokenness deals with what common people call common sense. It actually deals with what common people call Christianity. You see, the type of Christianity that the Bible talks about and that Jesus talks about is this kind that common people don't get. It's far deeper. It's far more serious. Verse 3, the Amplified, a woman came with an alabaster jar of ointment, perfume of pure nard, very costly and precious. She broke the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Our second point tonight, what will we bring? I mean, will we come? And what will we bring? Will we come? And what will we bring? You see, the broken bring everything. Those that are truly broken over Jesus, for Jesus, because of Jesus, they bring everything. Everything they have. Price is no object. They live in the moment. They live for the moment. What will we bring? And these are good questions to ask tonight. Did she have to bring an alabaster jar? No. 
Nobody forced her to. Nobody made her. Nobody suggested she bring something of such great value. So she came and she brought an alabaster jar. Here's a question. Did she have to break the alabaster jar? Did she have to pour it all out? Nobody forced her to. Nobody made her. In fact, they thought she was crazy. See, nobody's making you come. (laughs) Nobody's forcing you to come. And I'm not just talking about church on a Monday night, although that can apply. But this cuts way deeper. Nobody's forcing us. Nobody's making us. Nobody. You see, but the broken come. And the broken give everything. It's really what Christianity is all about. It's what relationship with Jesus is all about. It's beyond common sense or what the commoners call common Christianity or what they call Christianity, period. It's far deeper. It's real deep. Did she have to break the alabaster jar? No. But see, Jesus is so worthy, and when you're broken, this response is only reasonable. When you're broken... You don't just take the lid off and offer a drop or two, calculating and admiring the cost of what you've given. Isn't that how it is with some people? (laughs) They take the lid off and, my, am I giving a lot, and they give them a drop. And they admire what they gave, and they tell everybody, I gave them one drop. Or some people, they never even open the alabaster jar. They never break it because they're not broken. They come. They keep it all. They keep it to themselves for whatever reason. You know, that perfume could find no greater purpose. See, these other people, they're looking at her. You are nuts. You're crazy. There are other purposes for this. But this perfume, truly, this very costly ointment could find no greater purpose. When you're broken, you pour it all out. Listen to the words of Jesus in the message. Some of the guests became furious among themselves. That's criminal, a sheer waste. This perfume could have been sold for well over a year's wages and handed out to the poor. Now, I don't know if you feel the weight of that tonight. A year's wages. They swelled up in anger, nearly bursting with indignation over her. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why are you giving her a hard time? She has just done something wonderfully significant for me. You will have the poor with you every day for the rest of your lives. Whenever you feel like it, you can do something for them. Not so with me. You know, maybe it's time we're pouring out and others cry. That's criminal. A sheer waste. Is it finances, worship, prayer, commitment, church attendance? What is it? That's criminal, a sheer waste. Is it? Is going to church a waste? 
just an example. Is tithing and giving and offering to Jesus a waste? Is pouring out copious amounts of time on Jesus, is that a waste? What do we deem as a waste here tonight? When do we stamp it a waste? When do we cry out that's criminal? When do we cry out that's a sheer waste? When and at what point? When we have to go to church Sunday morning and Sunday night? Heaven forbid the church call you to go to a young adult group and build something for the glory of Jesus Christ or serve in a ministry. These are just examples, but it's a sheer waste. And you know what happens? Some of us that have been giving, some of us, the enemy comes in the voice of others, and they seem like good people, and maybe they are. But they begin to cry out, you don't have to do that. Don't give so much. Just pour out one drop or two drops. Just go to church once on a weekend. If you want to live that life, you live that life. you deem what is and is not a waste in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You can say, well, does it really matter? I don't know. You tell me. See, I grew up in a house. We went to church Sunday morning and Sunday night, and I don't know why I feel I should just say this. Maybe it's to save a generation that's slowly perishing from church and filling it with other things. There's power in giving him one day. And you say, well, I come Monday nights. I'd rather you go Sunday morning and Sunday night and not have you show up here. I would be totally content with shutting young adults down and see you all show up Sunday night and be a part of the family. Maybe you're saying right now, well, that's criminal. So be it. There's such power and commitment, and you say, well, Jesus doesn't care. And I ask, does he? Maybe it doesn't matter. You're like, hey, Jesus, for a season in my life, I went Sunday morning and Sunday night, and it was great. But you know what? Now I have something else on Sunday nights. I got a TV show, or, you know, I got to study, but I could have studied Saturday when I was hanging out with my friends. But I got to study during church, so... When I pray to you tomorrow, when it's time to write the exam, listen up. See, we find time for what we want to find time for. That's the bottom line. If you have your favorite sitcom or your favorite TV show, you shouldn't be watching sitcoms, but you got your favorite TV show, you ain't missing it for the world. You got your basketball team, Golden State Warriors, or whoever you're following, you ain't missing it for the world. Amen? That's the truth. Oilers, nobody's going to miss that. Stay up late. Saturday night, church is coming. That don't matter. Oilers are in the playoffs. All right. Whatever it is, and I'm not harping on one thing tonight. I'm simply just giving examples. We find time for what we want to find time for. That's the bottom line. I hope we have time for Jesus. And you're saying, well, Jesus is always with me. Okay. He is, but he's called us to gather corporately. I just want to say, I want to encourage this generation. Build your life into the house. And if you attend another church, 
they don't have Sunday nights, you're welcome to come and join us. But if you do attend this church, I would encourage you, Sunday morning and Sunday night, and if you need a night off, take Monday off. Some people get angry at Jesus' lovers, don't they? Can we live in the moment and for the moment? When we're with Jesus, in the house with Jesus, in worship, in prayer, in service, and so on, can we live in the moment? This might sound like a crazy thing, but, you know, I don't want to harp too much on where we're at today because it's all right. I mean, there are some things that just come, technology, and on and on, but I wonder if, you know, right when she went to break the alabaster jar and poured over Jesus, she received a text message and was like, hang on. Think about it. Or if she's about to do it and she's like, I wonder if anybody liked my last post. But here's the truth. That's how crazy it is today. And I think it's the enemy working in our lives. It's like we're pouring everything out for Jesus and my phone's in my back pocket. I feel the vibration of hell and I reach down to pick it up and have a read. And it's like, hold on. I know you're pouring everything out right now and I'm pouring everything out. Let's just take a break. Yes, I will go out with you. (laughs) Whatever it is. That's the truth. That is where we're at today. It's crazy. I found myself in the same place. And that is the truth. We can all find ourselves there. All of us. Man, let's just come into church. Just as one example. Or in your time with Jesus at home, set aside some distractions, some things you know are going to pull you away, maybe even for just 10 seconds or 20 seconds or 30 seconds. How many like it when somebody comes to your house and then they sit on their phone all night? Or, you know what I'm saying? Man, it's, it is so frustrating. That's just one example, but see, do it to others, whatever. It's still not right, but when you come into church, let's give Jesus just all the time. I believe if we totally focused like we've never focused before in our entire lives when we came to church and really got into it, we would be absolutely astonished at what would take place. But I think sometimes we're too distracted and therefore Jesus can't move in because he doesn't have our full attention. Just a thought. When we're with Jesus, let's give him everything. I can't imagine how incredible that moment was for this woman and how incredible the moment was for Jesus. You know, some never understand. It's as simple as that. And if they make it to heaven, well, then they'll understand. and they'll get it. Mark 14, verses 7 to 9, 
for ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come forehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, whosoever or wheresoever this gospel is preached throughout the whole world, this also that she has done shall be spoken of for a memorial for her. I just want to ask a few questions tonight. Have I done what I can? You asked that question. Have I done what I can? What have I poured on Jesus? What have I anointed my king with? Am I broken? Verses 4 to 6, And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence that had been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. This is some, not all, but some. Why was this waste of the ointment made? And they murmured against her. You know what? Don't worry about the sum. And don't let them discourage you. Don't let their murmuring bother you. Don't let their indignation, displeasure weigh on you. You know what Jesus is saying to the sum? To those that rose up and said that's criminal, a sheer waste. You know what Jesus is saying? Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. You know, I don't know why I'm adding this quote in here, but I love what Winston Churchill said. He said, you have enemies? Good. That means you've stood up for something sometime in your life. What kind of Christianity are we in? No enemies? Peace if possible, truth at all costs, cried Martin Luther. I believe in loving others, but sometimes when you stand up for what's right, you got enemies. I know I've made some enemies because maybe they don't like the standard. I know this church has made some enemies because people don't like the standard, and that's all right. We're not making, you know, putting out a whole thing of reasons why we do what we do and why we act like we act and why we worship so much and why we pray so much. I don't know why we want to spend so much time with Jesus. Let me write you a letter and tell you why I want to spend so much time with Jesus. Lord, help us. Mark 14, 9, verily I say unto you, 
Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. All I got to say to that is wow. Jesus must have really wanted us all to know what this woman did for him. Wherever the gospel is preached, in the whole world, this also. Wow. One person with one jar of costly, precious perfume. You see, Jesus wants us to remember this woman, and that's pretty incredible. Jesus wants us to remember what she did, and that's pretty incredible. Jesus was and is proud of what this woman did for him. I don't know about you tonight, but I want to do likewise for Jesus. Not that I'm remembered, and this wasn't her heart either. See, when you're broken, you do things that seem crazy in the eyes of others, when our action is really just reasonable response. No strings attached, no give to get, not looking for compensation, not looking for reward. You know, if my story can bless others and draw them closer to Jesus, so be it. If he wants to use it from now until the close of history, so be it. If he wants it spoken of for memorial of me, so be it. But it's not what matters to us. What matters is knowing we've done a good and beautiful thing for him. That's what matters. No strings attached. The woman didn't say to Jesus, I've done a good and beautiful thing for you. Jesus said it. You know, we can say a lot of things, but it's different when Jesus says it. So we can walk around and say, I've done a good and beautiful thing for Jesus. It's a whole other thing when he says it. We walk around and tell others that we've done a good and beautiful thing or have that conviction in our own heart. It's a whole other thing when Jesus says, you've done a good and beautiful thing. Well, let's have the worship team return. Watchman Nee said these words. The breaking of the alabaster box and the anointing of the Lord filled the house with the odor, the sweetest odor. Everyone could smell it. Whenever you meet someone who has really suffered, been limited, gone through things for the Lord, willing to be imprisoned by the Lord, just being satisfied with Him and nothing else, immediately you scent the fragrance. There is a savor of the Lord, something has been crushed, something has been broken, and there is a resulting odor of sweetness. No matter the cost, no matter the price, no matter what it looks like, let it be something good and beautiful for him. Again, tonight, we're not just talking about coming to church. This is everything in life. It's everything in life. We understand that Mankind has this tendency to compartmentalize life. You get the drops out of this compartment. You get the drops out of this compartment. You get the drops 
out of this compartment. You get one or two drops out of this compartment. You get a drop out of this compartment. Even sometimes in Christianity, we compartmentalize our lives. And we understand that because in relationships, we can find ourselves compartmentalizing our lives. The broken bring their lives represented by an alabaster box and they break the box that their king be anointed. And this speaks to so many things tonight, so many examples, so many, an offering. I simply want to leave us with this. Pour your love on Jesus. Pour everything on Jesus. Become one that's broken. The alabaster jar is simply the evidence of the brokenness of the person. Pour it all out. Don't hold back. Don't let fear hold you back. Don't let common sense hold you back. Don't let the reaction of others hold you back. When you're broken, you just know the action you have to take. We all need brokenness. If we're here tonight or we're among the sum that we're indignant and murmuring, that's us, let's heed the words of Jesus and turn from our way. Let's stand tonight. Thank you, Lord. God, we love you. Lord, we praise you for who you are God, how can we not praise you for all that you've done and all that you continue to do? Lord, with you, it wasn't just one drop, but it was everything. You were broken and you poured it all out. How can we not offer back? I just pray, Lord, for every person in this room tonight, that we wouldn't let people or seasons or the topography of life to keep us from you. But Lord, we would be those that are broken and out of the brokenness would come a radical, holy boldness and faith. Lord, no matter what others say, they can call it a sheer waste. They can say it's criminal. Lord, I pray that tonight we would make a decision that we will stand even if we stand alone. Lord, let something be done for you that is beautiful, that brings you glory, honor, and praise. Thank you, Lord. Let's just lift this up. I let go. I let go for I just to have more of you and no matter